our son Killian was two years old, Carrie and I began to create a Spotify playlist of his favorite songs. While we were able to sneak some of our favorites in, Killian absolutely loved Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles. The list was primarily made up of Blimby tracks, if you know, you know, and Disney classics. We were happy to introduce Killian to beloved songs from our childhood, particularly songs from The Lion King. Many of you are probably familiar with this film and with its soundtrack. There were just so many good songs, from the fun-loving Hakuna Matata to the Sir Elton John recorded Can You Feel the Love Tonight? There was the opening anthem, The Circle of Life, with its soaring Zulu vocals, and the catchy, upbeat track, I Just Can't Wait to Be King. But none of those was Killian's favorites. His favorites was what he excitedly called Scar Song, otherwise known as Be Prepared. For reasons unbeknownst to us, Killian loved this sinister track. So we sang along with Gusto. While the lyrics ultimately unveil Scar's evil intention to overthrow King Mufasa and the Lion Kingdom and rescue away from Simba his son, the basic message to his hyena hordes is one of preparedness and expectation. Scar implores them to be ready to have things prepared so that they are not caught cold when the right moment comes. If you're unfamiliar with the Lion King, perhaps you know that Be Prepared is also the model of the Boy Scouts and the Girl Scouts. When the scouting movement originated in early 20th century England, Lord Baden Powell needed a motto for his young scouts to live by, so he turned to his own initials, BP, Baden Powell, Be Prepared. It's true, it's true story. <laughs> he explained the motto like this. Be prepared means you are always in a state of readiness in mind and body to do your duty. It's about knowing the right thing to do at the right moment and then the willingness to do it. Be prepared. And although we are not yet in Advent, that time of waiting, preparation, and expectation that we will enter into in just three weeks, our gospel reading today gives us just such a message. Keep awake. Be prepared. But what does that staying awake mean? What is preparedness? Our particular parable comes from Matthew's Gospel nestled right in the middle of a much longer section, Jesus' fifth teaching discourse, the final section of teaching before we move into the events of Holy Week. All of chapter 24 and 25 comprise this larger unit, and it's impossible to discuss one section like a parable without having something of the whole in mind. The theme of Jesus' final discourse is the future of the world, or more precisely, the end of this present age and the coming of God's kingdom. This is Jesus' opportunity to tell his followers and then 
Matthew's hearers about that time after his passion, including his return. As such, scholars often refer to this section as Jesus' eschatological sermon or his apocalyptic discourse, but don't let those big words scare you. Eschatology is theology dealing with the eschaton, the last things. It refers to what we Christians believe about the ultimate future. Where are we headed? And apocalyptic is a specific genre of Jewish literature and literally means revelation or unveiling or revealing. Jewish writers would use this style of writing with its vivid images and bombastic language to provide hope for the future in the midst of current suffering. It reveals what is to come and reassures us that the present world with all of its brokenness and pain is not the end. And so Jesus' teaching here fits this bill and provides the context for our parable. After he has described the destruction of the Jerusalem temple, an event that took place in 70 AD, the disciples ask him about the end of the age. They want to know when it will happen and how they will be able to identify us. In response, Jesus paints a largely bleak picture of this intervening time. There will be violence, wars, persecution, and much suffering. And there will be many who try to interpret the signs of the time and predict the future. But Jesus tells the disciples not to listen to them because no one knows the day or the hour. More positively in this section, Jesus says that the good news of the kingdom will be preached to all the world and that his teaching will remain and that he will, in fact, return to gather his followers together into that long-awaited, beloved community. He will ultimately bring an end to all of that violence, to all of those wars, to that persecution, and to any and all suffering. He will return. Love will win, and all things will be made right. But what about life in the meantime? What do we do in the midst of this ongoing and ongoing violence and suffering that Jesus so clearly predicts? Enter our parable. A parable given alongside three other parables, also dealing with preparedness. While the disciples ask Jesus about the signs and times, Jesus offers parables that answer a different question. How shall we live while we wait? And so that's how we come to today's story. Today's story recounts an imminent marriage feast. There are ten bridesmaids awaiting the arrival of the groom when he shows up. As is the custom, they will escort him to the banquets. It is evening, so they all have their oil lamps ready to go to light the way. It's really quite a beautiful scene. The waiting with the lamps lit as darkness falls. But we are given an obscure, curious detail. Five of the bridesmaids brought extra oil, and five of them did not. 
for reasons unknown, the groom is delayed. And while the bride stays waiting, understandably grow tired and fall asleep because it's late. And then suddenly, the arrival of the groom is upon them. It's announced. They awake to welcome them, but the five without that extra oil realize their mistake. Their supply has run low. Their lamps will be extinguished before the job is done. The five with extra oil don't have enough to share, so the ones without head to the market to buy more. In their absence, the groom finally does arrive. And the five remaining bridesmaids go with him to the banquets. The others return only to find themselves locked out of the festivities. And then Matthew gives us an explanatory line. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. In other words, be prepared. The clue to understanding all of this is in the delayed arrival of the group and in the oil supply. As commentator Susan Highland points out, what makes the so-called wise bridesmaids wise is that they were prepared not only for the group's arrival, but also for that delay. They had an abundance of oil, uh, plenty of oil for the waiting. And it's this abundance of oil that is the sign of preparedness. Commentators variously understand that oil as doing the will of God, or loving our neighbors, or participating in God's reign, but we might think of it as having, and we might think of it as faithful discipleship in the here and now, even in the midst of the troubling times. We don't sit and speculate, looking for the answer. Instead, as those who belong to God, we live out that belonging in faith, hope, and love, seeking and serving Christ in all people, praying with and for one another, coming to this table together. Or as we read earlier in Matthew's Gospel several months ago now, and sticking with that oil lamp metaphor, we let our light shine before others so that they might see our good works and give glory to the Father in heaven. We are beacons of hope and love in a dark world, pointing the way forward to that better future. In a sense, we are the apocalyptic. We are that revelation, that revealing. As Bishop Leslie Newbegin was quick to remind us, the church is the sign, instrument, and foretaste of God's kingdom. In our preparedness, we show the way. And doesn't all of this feel so incredibly relevant today as we look out at our world, as we see injustice and catastrophe and suffering all around? Just this week, it was confirmed that 2023 has been the warmest year in recorded history, and scientists predict that next year we'll see continued extreme temperatures. And we are all too aware of the ongoing war in the Holy Land, the land trapped in a cycle of violence, of revenge, and retribution, where everyone seems to be a loser. And we all know of our local problems and have our own personal tragedies, the suffering that we see with our own eyes, and the real pain that we experience firsthand deep in our hearts. 
In the midst of all of this, Jesus' words are not trying to interpret the signs of the time so that we can escape as much as we might prefer those words. No, his words are, watch, wait, pray, be prepared. Keep doing the work. Keep living faithfully. Keep serving one another and building up the community in love. As Father John Deere suggests, the invitation here is to act as if we are already living in God's reign right now, to make something of God's future now. To be sure, this is no easy call. But we are never in this alone. The song that we pray together with one voice reminds us that God is with us. Be pleased, O God, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. I am poor and needy. Come to me speedily, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. O Lord, do not tarry. And in our passage from 1 Thessalonians, St. Paul reminds us that we are not ones without hope. In faith, we hope in the resurrection, knowing that one day we will be with God, with all those who we love and see no longer, and with all of the saints. In the meantime, Paul tells us we offer one another encouragement in the waiting. We wait together. We pray together. We come to this table together. We prepare together. We light the way together. Some of you may know this already, but today also happens to be the Indian festival of Diwali or Diwali. The Festival of Lights, celebrated primarily by Hindus and Jains and Sikhs, but also by some Buddhists and some Indian Christians. The constellation of stories that shape the Diwali celebrations have one thing in common, the victory of light over darkness. And a key feature of this festival is to light tiny oil lamps to dispel the darkness. I don't imagine any of us will be celebrating the all today, but I can't help but make the connection to our parable, to the bridesmaids and their oil lamps. And though we won't be celebrating, perhaps we might light a candle and remember the wise bridesmaids and their preparedness, taking inspiration from their example. As you do this, if you do this, or even if you don't, I invite you to envision what preparedness, what that state of readiness to love God and love neighbor looks like in your own lives. What is the shape of your discipleship? The shape of your belonging to God? Whatever the shape, friends, I invite you to be prepared. 